and welcome to the FPL Lounge podcast. We're back with a big double game week 36 preview. Plenty still to talk about and plenty still to be bought for in this FPL season. My name is Chris Hopkins and I'm joined by a man who will not let five minutes of madness derail his FPL season. Well, does it derail his season full stop? Andy Case. I mean, I'm sure, Andy, you've had a, you've had a, f- a few mad moments this year where you've been questioning you know, everything, why you play the game. But, uh, you know, you, you've got a stronger mentality, at least in the Champions League, than Pep Guardiola has. Well, I, I haven't collapsed in the Champions League in the same way Pep Guardiola has on multiple in multiple times. But uh, so so that's a fact. But uh, no, I'm not. I, one of my favourite, um, one of my favourite sort of quotes, I guess, of all time, although I can't remember the, the quote word for word. So how I guess, how can you say it's your favourite? I can't completely remember it. But um, it was it's from, I think, Franklin Roosevelt. Uh, but I heard it off Brené Brown, this like motivational speaker, whatever, and uh, about being the man in the arena. Right. So I'm not I'm not going to sit here. I, I have to live by my my morals and my principles. I'm not going to sit, sit, sit here and claim too much credit over Pep because he's he's the man in the arena. And if you if you don't put yourself in in harm's way, you uh, like me in the Champions League, you can never you can never uh fail can you so um you know without being too philosophical about it of course or at least trying not to be but no it is surprising how much they um they regularly seem to just I mean it's the beauty of a cup competition I suppose isn't it and and City are great they're an absolute machine in the league but they've got no soul they've got no emotion they can't deal with it the these automat these relentless passing automatons can't deal with seemingly the psychological side of things that comes with it in a, in a cup competition. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, Ted, Teddy Roosevelt, not Franklin, uh, uh, okay. yeah, on according to, to the, you know, the quick search engine search that I've just done. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how, how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the, belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. But yeah, it's, I mean, that I feel, here, here. feel so ready for this podcast now. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think, you know, that's completely fair. But yeah, there does seem to be a real, um, yeah, a real mentality issue, I guess, when it comes to the Champions League and just not being able to to, to close. And you know, on the flip side, ultimately, you know, Real Madrid have had something different last night. But um, yeah, it's, it's we, we, you see it a lot in, 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 in in football, I guess, maybe not you know, the most common occurrence, but you know, you, changing goals change games, right? And it, goals change mindsets. And I guess when that when that um, on the night equaliser went in, they just seemed to defensively crumble. And then um, you know, you said to me earlier, you know, Diaz makes a pretty horrendous mistake for the penalty, frankly. And uh, and, and 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 yeah, it's um, something that that probably hasn't been highlighted too much it feels like you know we're still sort of basking in the glory of a great game um which i, I think jonathan woodgate said something like it's one of the best games he's ever seen i was like what i don't, don't really know what what he was watching because i think the first leg was infinitely better than, than this one as a game ultimately this as a game had like a good last 15 minutes i like a really good last 15 minutes and an especially good last seven beyond that it wasn't much to write home about in my view but but yeah um i guess the point i was originally going to make there was that yeah we were not really talking about the sort of defensive 
areas for City and more seem, more seemingly talking about you know the spectacle and the mentality side of things that, that seems to sort of dog Pep and Pep sides in the Champions League. Yeah, because and I think like I mean I, I am one of the, have been one of the first to criticise Man United defenders this season, so perhaps I'm a hypocrite. But I think uh, it, there's definitely an element of also of my Man United bitterness coming through here. But I do think it, I mean maybe I'm just not looking in the right places, but the coverage I've seen was talk a lot of talk about the emotion and that side of the, the psychological side of things. Less about I mean ultimately, if you try and because there was so much chaos, but if you try and separate it. The man who was captain for Man City on the night made a poor decision to dive in on Benzema in the box in extra time and has ultimately cost his side his, their place. I mean, they might still have lost on penalties, but, they, you know, without that tackle, they, in terms of goals, would have been even and would have at least gone to penalties, right? Um, and we've seen poor mistakes from Laporte as well earlier this season. And I think it's just... Um, it, you know, if, if Harry Maguire or or even Varane or Bailly or Phil Jones jumped in and made a tackle like that in the box, particularly in a, such a high-profile game, it would get way more coverage and that player would get way more blame for the for the defeat than I, I really saw being pinned on on Ruben Diaz last night. Now, I'm not necessarily in favour of, like, it's a, you know, they still conceded two other goals in the game. So I, I don't like generally that type of analysis, like, specifically anyway. But ultimately, it was a big mistake. And he is the captain and he was an expensive purchase. And, um, yeah, I, th- I think it just, I think, what well, I guess what also annoys me about it is I think what gets overlooked, and I've mentioned this a few times in the past as well, I think there's generally just a dearth of good centre-backs, like elite-level centre-backs at the moment. Like, we had this discussion when Man United bought Maguire, and it was obviously ridiculous to spend £80 million on him, but it was like, Man United need to be better at centre-back. Harry Maguire is better than what they've got. Where else could they spend, like, how else could they spend the money? There's Tell me who else they can go out and get. And really... There, is, there hasn't really been anyone that's been attainable anyway because, like, there aren't many centre-backs in the world, like, good enough to, to play, to, to improve, I guess, Man United. Because we're not, we're, not, we're not in an era where we've got John Terry, Carvalho, Vidic, Rio, Stam, Nesta, Puyol, PK at his peak, all playing at the same time like we did in kind of the early to mid-2000s, you know? So um, it, it, City have to have someone at centre-back and they are probably two of the better centre backs in the world, but uh, yeah, I think it just particularly last season, Diaz got so much love, and I think he's decent, but I think yeah, overrated because they play in a city team that don't get tested defensively much. Yeah, I think he definitely had uh, a better season last year than he's had this year, but but yeah, I mean, I guess ultimately he hasn't been as mistake prone throughout the year as as Maguire has, and obviously that would influence the coverage. But but yeah, I, and and you know, was it were it not such dramatic victory you know, if it was Real Madrid just winning, maybe not an extra, maybe not in you know, maybe not taking it as extra time in quite the same way, then then yeah, maybe. Um, Maybe we'd be more focusing on that, but, but anyway, when I mean, we've spent plenty enough time focusing on on that fixture, maybe it will cover off some of some of the talking points when we get to them. But uh, let's crack on, Andy, with our preview anyway. Um, double game week thirty six, obviously uh, last, I guess the last big double uh, of the season. As always on our preview shows, we'll start by running down those all important double game week fixtures. Uh, we'll have a quick chat about this week's talking points, although it feels like we've kind of already done that or at least alluded to it. 
we will go through some players on the radar. Um, but spoiler alert, it's pretty similar to last week. Uh, we're going to do a caught in the honey trap because of the double. And we'll finish, as we always do, with captaincy and the penultimate who the heck is stat of the season. Uh, let's start then with those all-important fixtures. No lunchtime kickoff this weekend. So your deadline for FPL on Saturday the 7th of May is 1.30 in the afternoon. We have four three o'clock kickoffs. And that's Brentford, Southampton, Burnley, Villa, Chelsea Wolves and Palace Watford. And at tea time, we've got Brighton versus Andy's Man United. And then in evening, Saturday evening kickoff, uh, Liverpool versus Spurs. And on Sunday, we've got three two o'clocks. That's Arsenal Leeds, Leicester Everton and Norwich West Ham before the uh, 4.30 kickoff is Man City versus Newcastle. This game week extends into the midweek and there are lots of teams on doubles. Um, so Tuesday, the 10th of May, Aston Villa versus Liverpool. Wednesday the 11th, Leeds versus Chelsea, Leicester versus Norwich, Watford versus Everton and Wolves versus Man City and then a humongous, a ginormous North London derby on Thursday the 12th of May. Tottenham Hotspur versus Arsenal for what is, you know, I don't think it's probably too far to say a almost a Champions League playoff. Yeah, it definitely feels like that. Definitely feels like that. And it's one of the, um, one of those games which, yeah, I just, um, you know, listeners will may remember that I don't have a BT sport sports subscription, don't have a, a Sky Sports subscription. So yeah, I might have to go to the pub to watch this one. Might have to might have to go to the pub to watch this one. And boohoo, I might have to go to the pub to watch this one. Um talking points, Andy, it's I mean, let's start with Europe, and we've, we've spent a lot of time talking about, about City already, obviously getting knocked out of the Champions League uh, last night. Um, yeah, usually they've always got the League Cup already sort of sewn up and everything, you know, so you know, they've usually got, got a trophy. But if they don't win the league now, it's going to be a trophyless season. They probably haven't had one of them for, for, for many years, definitely sort of pre-Mancini sort of Mancini and, and, and pre-the millions. Um, they have to win the league. And surely now they're going to, you know, tiredness, fatigue aside, everything has to go into these final four league fixtures that they've got. And maybe that will make them less pet roulette less rotation proof going forward. Well, in the short term, who knows what the physical and psychological impacts of what's just happened to them against Madrid will be. I think that's a, that is a concern when it comes to FPL. But once we're through that, yeah, you've got to think well, there's absolutely no reason now that the only thing City have left is four league games this season. That's it. There's no other games for Man City this season. So you've got to think they will, I mean, why not play your best team in all those games or the best team you possibly can? So from, yeah, from an FPL point of view, I think we, we were suspecting that might happen because, you know, the Champions League final is, is, a, is a good week after the end of the season anyway. So even if City had got through, we thought that might be the case. But certainly now, you know, right up till the fight, maybe there's a situation where if City were comfortably leading on the last day, they'd take some players off and prepare for the for the Champions League final. But obviously, absolutely no need for that now. Um, and you can just flog every minute out of your, your KDBs and arguably your Mahrez's and defenders and stuff that, 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 that you possibly can. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess just, um, you know, final word I really on, on, on European rotation, obviously Liverpool played um, you know, a strong team, I guess, uh, in, in in their Champions League game. But obviously they had to bring on reinforcements at halftime in the form of, of Luis Diaz. Um, and we're recording this before West Ham and Leicester play in, in their European uh, Euro- European second legs. Their must-win second legs, obviously both both sides didn't get a, a win at home. Uh, and I think, as you mentioned, Andy, on the on our last review show, both both having to travel uh, tonight too, so that might take a little bit a little bit extra uh, out of the players. But I guess ultimately, um, for both of those sides, 
their European fixture is, is is their priority. It presents for West Ham a path to the Champions League that they don't have through the league, and for Leicester a path to the, to the Europa League that they don't really have through the league either. So uh, we'll expect strong sides from both tonight, and that, that may have Im- an impact on the weekend for for, for those teams. Um, also, Andy, big double, twelve teams doubling in this game week. Um, it's gonna, you know, our listeners and and I'm sure you know, many FPL managers will have a mixed bag of chips left. But with a double in 36, a big double, um, I think there's five or six teams doubling uh, in game week 37 as well. And then obviously there's the lottery of who's got something something to play for come game week 38. What I mean, how should managers be approaching this in terms of chips and, and what they may have remaining? Well, because of what you said about game week 38 just there, really, I would I would probably suggest not necessarily saving aiming to deliberately save them any 438 um maybe free hit arguably but even then there's many a time where we've seen surprising team sheets come out um because for various reasons so um yeah i mean if you're if you any of triple captain or bench boost i would you know you'd definitely be looking at 36 and 37 rather than 38 um and then which for which sort of really depends on the structure of your team right like if you're well set up for the bench boots this week i'd say like take the opportunity to use it don't don't unless you really think there's a massive advantage for you doing it next week because you also have plenty of players that might bet that might have better fixtures next week then fine but but it seems to me that you might you might as well there's only three game weeks left if you're if you're in a good position to use it this week then then go for it um i i suppose if in the in the slight there could be some who are in the position where they feel like they've got a good opportunity for bench boost and triple captain in this game week if they have both chips left um and again it's hard to give like blanket advice i suppose in that situation because my feeling is although i don't actually know but my feeling would be there's probably more to be gained out of nailing your triple captain I feel like like there's more maybe upside to that. I suppose it's only one extra lot of points, whereas with bench boost you've got potentially four extra lots of points. So true, maybe that true. maybe that isn't isn't true. But um I, I guess my instinct there is almost to say prioritize triple captain in the best triple captain option you can across thirty-six or thirty-seven if you are one of those in that unique position of of picking between the two. I guess uh, come come game week 37, the teams that are doubling Villa, Burnley, Palace, Everton, Leicester, not many captaincy options in there. So it feels like maybe no. you'd be free hitting in 37 if you've got both left. You know, the free hit or in, in, in 37. Sorry, no, the bench. Yeah, get your triple captain maybe done this week and maybe bench boost next week with as many doublers as you can. Um, but yeah, if you've only got one left, I guess it makes it trying to take advantage of 36 feels the most obvious way to go i guess i think i think so yeah I, I mean perhaps there's a situation where because liverpool and city are both in a title race you might be able to triple captain salah on the last day of the season let's say but i mean he's going to have one fixture versus possibly two here so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and same for any city asset as well so yeah i think that's uh that's 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 probably the way i'll end up going but we will obviously talk about captaincy uh, a little bit later let's crack on then Andy with the radar and and I guess we still better focus or at least have a word on the teams that do double both in 36 and 37 they are Villa Leicester and Everton Aston Villa we've spoken about quite a lot Andy I think we still feel pretty bullish I guess on 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 Ollie Watkins Uh, obviously this double does contain a fixture against Liverpool so considerably more difficult but 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 Burnley uh, is the other one um you know we, we we like Jacob Ramsey we kind of like I guess in the Burnley game a chance of a clean sheet and therefore Mackie Cash 
Um, Coutinho is a guy that's probably going to get mentioned quite a bit, but he has, hasn't re- not really showing up in the underlying numbers. Um, so probably not loads really more to say about about Villa that we haven't said on, on on recent previews. And similar with Leicester, really, I think you know without us bashing out the the James Madison versus Harvard Barnes debate all over again. Ultimately, we're not really sure what sort of side Leicester will put out tonight in the Europa Conference League. Um, Jamie Vardy probably not going to be fit enough to play two games in such a short space of time. I don't think we'd rely on Ian Atchel or Dakar. We'd like Dewsbury Hall as a cheap budget option, but has nothing really going forward. He's just to get get appearance points, frankly. So, so not really a lot more to be said on either of those. Everton, however, are maybe giving us some kind of, um, I guess, pause for thought. You know, I think a few weeks ago we would definitely have dismissed Everton. We might have said you mentioned Anthony Gordon, who does seem to be looking better and better, and is is, is a very cheap again fifth midfielder option. But what about Richarlison, Andy? This is a guy that you know there aren't many great forward options in in in, in FPL. He's seven and a half million. DCL might be back fit, but probably sounds like Richarlison's going to play through the middle. Everton probably have one of the easier looking on paper doubles this game week and he takes penalties. They're in a relegation scrap. They're playing a little bit better but still not creating loads. Worth a pun? Yeah, I mean, for me, I find it difficult. You've kind of given all of the various different pros and cons there and so I think that what you've just said I'm very good, aren't I? Yes, yes, Christopher, you are excellent. Well done. Uh, There is a gold badge in the post on its way to you. Um, But yeah, so so basically that's what people have got away up. It's definitely, I think, a bit of a punt. But as we've almost like we've said about Watkins, there aren't many forward options and he's not much difference in price. So, um, yeah, they they obviously have five fixtures as Villa do in these final three game weeks. So that's that's like an upside and uh, and arguably all four of these in the the next two. kind of you could you could see them being good potentially good fixtures for Everton against Leicester coming off the back of that conference league game and then against Watford obviously who might well even be relegated by then um and then Brentford and Palace both at home so like yeah there's 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 a chance despite how badly Everton have been playing and how little they've been creating you know they they, they do seem to have a lot of determination and they're nicking goals out of nowhere so um, the starts thing's probably less of a worry uh, other than you'd want him playing as a central striker ideally to try and maximise the points. But um, And if DCL comes back in, he, he won't be doing that, but he would still probably start and, and, and be involved um, if there's if there's goal opportunities for Everton. So, um, yeah, for me, I, it's not one I feel like I can really... Because although it's a short term here, you, you're talking about three game weeks, and, and if you do manage to hit on one of these punts in, in, in a three game week like span, then it can really transform your season. I just think it's one of those where like, you know, over the course of this season, I've had like Lacazette in my team at points because he's had I'm way better fixtures than other people. And then I'm frustrated with myself when he doesn't return because ultimately I know over the, 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 the sort of majority of evidence shows me that Richarlison or Lacazette, whoever doesn't doesn't return consistently enough for me to be able to kind of depend on it. So it would be just like a kind of a wing and a prayer differential there. But um, yeah, I mean, on 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 the other two teams you mentioned, Leicester and Villa, I think for Leicester it's difficult. Yeah, the amount of rotation, I can see a lot of people being tempted into into Leicester players for this game week, right? Everton and Norwich at home. I mean that 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 is a very attractive looking. Um, double and and if that was like someone like City or 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 Liverpool or Chelsea with that double would be absolutely slamming into assets from their from their teams right but um 
I, I think we'd struggle to guess what Leicester's first team was at the moment. But even if we knew, we can't be sure that how many of them will play, what state they'll be in. Obviously, look out for the press conferences and for how they get on. They could have extra time. They've got a long, well, longish travel to Italy. Um, so if, there's, yeah, you, you've got no guarantees in either get or both games about anyone that you pick starting there. So that's what kind of makes it really difficult. There's going to be rotation definitely up front. I think we could see a, a various combinations of Daka, maybe Vardy and Inacho, um across the two games. Um, similarly in midfield, Lookman's going to get a look in at points. Barnes is, Madison is, others, you know, Dewsbury Hall, Tillemans and, and, and others. So, um, yeah, maybe there's an angle for like clean sheets. I don't know if we could, I mean, someone like an Amati is obviously cheap if you're looking at a bench boost um, and, you know, might well play at least one, maybe two of those games. But I can see Michael being popular. Yeah, I think that's probably a good shout because he's someone who is relatively consistently in the team. And so if you can, if you're looking for a keeper, it's it's a little bit more than we like to spend because he's more like around about the five mil mark, I think, yeah, I think isn't he's he? 4.9, I think, at the minute. So, yeah, mm, I mean, if, but if, I don't if, think... if you always go under five mil, he just about qualifies. But yeah, I mean, we tend to look for four and a half mil keepers, don't we? So. Yeah, I mean, on paper, four of the next of the last five fixtures for Leicester are decent clean sheet chances, right? They have Everton, Norwich, Watford, Chelsea, Southampton. Uh, but live, uh, Leicester haven't kept many clean sheets this season and have conceded a lot of chances to all kinds of teams. So, um, but but yeah, that 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 feels perhaps a little bit safer just simply because there will be starts for for Schmeichel. Yeah, he will he will put his. Yeah, rotation proof, frankly, isn't he? And, and and yeah, I think I mean your your mention of Lookman is interesting. I guess we've probably got no no underlying numbers to necessarily back this up, but he does kind of feel like he gets on the end of chances and seems to be in the box a little bit. And I think if you could guarantee that he would start both league games, you'd probably take a bit of a punt on him, maybe even over a Barnes or a Madison. Um, but but yeah, I think I think when we were having that Barnes Madison debate at times. He has better underlying numbers than the Madison, at least. Maybe not Barnes. So he could he he could be an interesting one, but I don't think I'd be. Yeah, it's just you you just don't know who's who's going to start at the end of the day, and, and and yeah, I think I think that makes things that makes things uh, pretty difficult. And then yeah, final word on Everton. I think yeah, ultimately their away form has been pretty horrendous. They're grinding out results with a bit of determination at home when the crowd are, are behind them. But two away fixtures in in this game week, even though they are Leicester off the back of Europa Conference League game and Watford. Um, so yeah, that gives me a little bit of a pause for thought on when, when it comes to Richardson. Uh, you mentioned Ollie Watkins. Like for this game week on its own, Ollie Watkins versus Richardson. Kind of where would you come down on that? Um, well, Ollie Watkins has his own potential starts issues, right? I mean, he started each of the last two, but Ings came on and did well, and um, Watkins can play out left, which helps him. Uh, and has also played in a two with Ings at points this season. So I don't think Watkins should be getting dropped but it has happened once or twice under Gerrard um, and with two games in short succession maybe there'd be just an opportunity to give him give him a rest right um, so that that would be a concern um, I, I, I feel like uh, Richarlison if he's fit almost definitely starts whatever the formation is for Everton um, yeah. but with Villa, I mean, I think it's worth saying on Villa. You, you mentioned briefly some of the people that we that we spoke about on last week's preview. So I suppose if you want more in depth, you're going to have to go back and listen to to that. Or uh, although, like for me, Ramsey's price is is is, is particularly appealing. But for any, for Watkins or any Villa asset, one thing I would say is, despite the fact that as we mentioned or as Chris mentioned earlier, the second fixture for them is Liverpool. 
that is a few days before the cup final for Liverpool. And what we've been talking about as a concern almost of, in terms of Liverpool players is, is the sort of potential for rotation for them and, and for Chelsea pre that cup final. So maybe for Villa, they're at home. They'll obviously be playing a full strength team. Um, I mean, obviously Liverpool are going to go all guns. You know, they're trying to win the league. I don't see like a really, really weakened team from Klopp there. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if at least one of Salah or Mane doesn't start maybe in that game. Um, and uh, yeah, so maybe that just that just gives a little bit more hope for um, an opportunity for Villa in, the, in that second fixture. Um, on the other hand, is Steven Gerrard going to be the man to get in the way of Liverpool winning the league? I mean, he's done it before. No, way. There we go. There we go. Um, yeah, I think I think that's that. Yeah, a, a nice way to I guess put a pin in, in in the teams that are doubling in both game weeks. Let's run through the rest that are doubling in this game week. Um, so we've got Arsenal, Chelsea, uh, Leeds, uh, Liverpool, City, Norwich, Tottenham, Watford, and Wolves, and we can pretty much strike a line through a few of these already. Andy, Leeds, um, you know, even if they had. Good double. It'll be, it would be difficult to 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 really pick out any players there. But and they've got Arsenal and Chelsea. Feels, you know, quite frankly, too too difficult. Norwich we've never been particularly keen on all season. Uh, they're not too bad. West playing West Ham and Leicester, but frankly, uh, you know, already relegated. We're not going to put any stock in into them. Um, Watford. They've got not again not a bad double. Uh, Palace and and Everton, but we you know, they don't score enough goals. Frankly, I think they've got nine goals in Hodgson's fourteen games, just not good enough. I think if you own Dennis, fine, maybe don't get rid of him, but I definitely wouldn't be thinking to to transfer him into my team. And then Wolves playing Chelsea and City off the back of being thumped three 0 against Brighton, I feel like we can leave all of those alone. But then that just does just really leave the big teams, Andy. It leaves Arsenal, it leaves Chelsea, it leaves uh, Liverpool, City, and and Tottenham. Um, and a lot of these we've 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 covered a lot, frankly, because you know that's just the nature of the game. So, you know, looking at looking at those five, is there anything that we can really add at the minute? And I guess maybe because they're no no longer in the Champions League, and because that elevates the importance of the Premier League, maybe we would be looking at Man City a little bit closer. Yeah, and I mean, equally, City were also on our radar last game we kind of had a bit of a discussion about the various different midfield we usually just kind of throw our hands up in the air and say which one to go for so we tried to have a little bit of a discussion and, and we sort of leant towards Foden and he did get the start and I wouldn't be surprised in general to see more starts for Foden I mean Foden is one of the few that did play 120 minutes against Madrid and so that I think puts it for this specific game week a little bit more of a threat of a start at least in that first game um, for City against Newcastle at home so um I mean, I would be very interested to kind of try and read news articles and listen to Pep's press conference ahead of the game because the one I was thinking of going into this game week before last night was Kevin De Bruyne. He's in fantastic form. I mean, we did mention him last week as well. We kind of said that maybe for the price, Foden might be a more achievable option. But I think I'm at the stage now where like De Bruyne is so much involved in everything. If I can get to him, I really would be trying to. However, coming off after 70 minutes before City had scored, so it wasn't like the game was sewn up by any stretch of the imagination. That concerned me because I think in why you've taken off your best player unless there's like something where he's not 100% like fit. Maybe it's to try and like make sure he's available for all the league games coming up. But Pep's so desperate for that Champions League. I just couldn't can't see him doing that. It's not like like Mares came off in like the 85th minute or whatever when it felt like the game was sewn up. 
which ultimately was a mistake, but I don't think signals anything that's necessarily wrong with Mares. So that that's that's my concern. However, yeah, if we get some more clarity over that, I'll very much be looking to like move towards him. He's only 10% owned still, and there's been points where he's been as owned as like Salah in, in the game, right? I think he's sort of pet the pet roulette and De Bruyne's injuries has meant over the years he hasn't had as much focus, but you know, he's up there in terms of the underlying numbers at the moment. He's um third, like basically got very similar underlying numbers to Salah over the last six matches, 3.3 non-expect non-penalty expected goal involvement. And actually obviously more actual return. He's got eight, four goals and four assists. So um yeah, the, obviously like I said that puts De Bruyne a third and for 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 all midfielders and his minutes is a lower ultimately. He doesn't off you know doesn't always play every minute of every game. So yeah. Um, I think now with with like as you mentioned, City focusing on the league, if he if he is going to get those full um, more more uh, minutes bled out of him during in the in the league, then then that's a focus for me. Yeah, I think that makes that makes sense. I mean, at the moment in my own team, I've got no City players, and it's just I've got I do have two free transfers this week. But how can I? Yeah, I guess yeah, siphon as many City players as possible into my team. I feel like you know a City defender is going to be essential for me. But yeah, if I could find some way to make De Bruyne work, I think it would be would be really appealing. But ultimately, for me, it's it's, it's at what cost and, and who else could uh, you know who has to make way. Um, talking a little bit, I guess, of City defenders and you know no point in us talking about Jao Cancelo. He's you know, he he feels definitely like an essential own. Uh, this game week, um, but maybe a defensive double up could be worth thinking about. And you know, I wouldn't want to spend you know six million plus on on, on Diaz or, or, or Laporte. But with Kyle Walker also going off injured, uh, or at least seemingly injured last night, maybe aggravating his 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 sort of previous injury. Zinchenko came on um, yeah, and seems re- always relatively steady when he ends up playing, he's going to be a little bit more affordable than some of the aforementioned defenders. So if you are thinking of a City defensive double up, especially given given their fixtures uh, this game week, you know, Newcastle and Wolves, two teams that aren't prolific or are by no means prolific in front of goal, uh, maybe a defensive double up could be could be quite profitable. I think, well, I think it could be. I think, you know, we've we've kind of flagged really for a while City's fixture run in the league being a decent one to the, to the end of the season. Um, and you're looking at, obviously now Newcastle, Wolves, West Ham, Villa, and then that's their only games of the season. So a double here against Newcastle and Wolves, two teams that don't score a great deal of goals. If you do find a defender who plays both games for City there, yeah, I mean, very strong chance of at least one and, and possibly even two clean sheets. Um, obviously, with someone like a Cancelo, you then get those attacking um potential threats as well um, and with Zinchenko it's someone who we we focused a bit on the radar last week and then and then didn't start we did we did worry about the threat of Ake at left back we've seen it before this season and that is what happened in the league but I, I mean for, for me I, I can only imagine that was like a preservation in case Carl Walker couldn't start the Champions League game and Zinchenko needed to because he's taken a huge step forward in the last 12 to 18 months for me Zinchenko when he first came to City and he played in that left back position. Sometimes he looked like a winger turned turned fullback, right? Like he 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 made mistakes. He he would often hair forward. He didn't have a great deal of end product. But now he looks much more calm, much more assured. He seems to actually play well as a left back. Like um, he was involved in the build up to to City's goal yesterday down the left. Um, and yeah, I, I I just think if 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 I could get a sniff of the fact that he was definitely like first choice whilst Walker is is injured they're not going to mess about with any 
Ake or Stones nonsense, aren't we? I mean, I'd love to see Pep just play, you know, in all the games, Zinchenko, Diaz, Laporte, Cancelo, because I think that gives City the best chance of winning the league as it is right now, frankly. And, and if, if that's the case, uh, it, you know, going into this game week at 5.3, 5.4 million, whatever he is, I think, I mean, yeah, you're saving what is Cancelo now about seven mil so like a, mil, a million and a half on on, on Cancelo with albeit you know reduced attacking threat but but still some 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 potential there and and very good clean sheet potential obviously yeah absolutely he he yeah 5.3 mil at the minute I guess you know not um not cheap but yeah I think if, if you're going to target a, a city double up um yeah I'm providing providing Ake isn't experimental with a left back and frankly for me it just doesn't work you know play a left back in the left back role um it feels it feels a bit too um yeah it just feels like a potentially good good move and I'm uh, one that maybe we could get get on board with um I mean, we mentioned Eddie and Kessia Andy last week uh, on the radar and he very much remains on it for for, for this double for Arsenal, obviously, it does include uh, that 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 really important North London derby away from home. But first up, they've got a home match against Leeds and Ketia, ex Leeds as well. So maybe uh, maybe maybe has a little bit of spice. I think he spent a bit of time uh, on loan there. Um, but five point five million pound striker starting for a, a top four side. Get him in your team. Yeah, well, I think we. With that basically was was one of our points last week as well. I think there's not a lot more to say on him. Like you, like you, you pointed out in the stats last week that um, he is mu- looking much more like a number nine. He's getting much more shots in the box and, and touches in the box than his other teammates. Which um, when Lacazette was playing there, like the the likes of Saka and Martinelli were having more because Lacazette was playing a bit more withdrawn and supporting them running through. Um, and Ketia against West Ham was playing on the last shoulder, looked like much more of like a number nine. Um, and yeah, if he's going to get starts, like you said, I mean, we, we have always been concerned that the, this game week in particular might be one where you get a bit of rotation with between him and Lacazette. Um, and, that, and that may still happen. But I think, look, at five and a half million, it seems very probable now that Anketia will start at least one of the games, if not both. And if he doesn't start both, he'll come on in the in the one that he, he'll very likely come on in the one he doesn't start. Um, so, at, yeah, as you say, at 5.5 million, um, if you're looking when there aren't many forward options, it's a fantastic opportunity to have someone who's got a decent chance of returns in a good team. Um in and of itself but it adds you that benefit of potentially freeing up money to invest in other positions where there are like more profitable options perhaps to get on yeah as you say Andy I think um you know if he can get if he can get two starts great but even even one start given his price I think I think will we'll be pretty um, pretty handy and and yeah you know obviously leads Leeds do give up a fair few chances. You can see Nketiah potentially having some attacking returns. Not always great in terms of XG, but ha- is having quite a few shots and, and getting himself in the box. So definitely some some encouraging signs. Uh, let's have a final word on the radar uh, on on Liverpool. And I guess you know they've got uh, they've got Tottenham and Villa this game week. Um, but obviously the all important FA Cup final comes after that that Aston Villa game. And I guess therefore we're likely to see some rotation. Uh, among their, their their sort of attacking assets, their forward line, um, does that potentially mean, Andy? Do you think that we might see two starts for someone as electric as Luis Diaz? I think it's poss- It's definitely possible. Yeah, like particularly because he didn't start in the Champions League and he only came on at half time. He, you know, he's had less minutes in his legs than than some of those others in midweek. So, yeah, um, he and he very much I think has moved ahead of Jota as as like a first 
choice pick for for Liverpool now. Um, he he he. Yeah, the game changed when he came on. I mean, I'm not sure he did that single-handedly. Liverpool's a team played much much better after after the halftime break, but he has just looked fantastic. Like he's slotted into that team so well. He's obviously much cheaper than some of the other, um, you know, well, the main two, obviously Mane and Salah, um, Liverpool like assets. The one thing I would say is like he's not appearing in the underlying numbers as much as I'd hope. I mean, uh, he is still ultimately equally in the last six games has similar underlying numbers to Mane, right? But I mean, he, he that puts him like twentieth odd in terms of uh, all, all midfielders for the last six matches. So um, having said that, some of those are ones that that are a bit flash in the pan and don't necessarily play every week and aren't consistent. So, um, yeah, I think ultimately if, if Diaz does get minutes, you know, rotated, so that doesn't necessarily help his underlying numbers either. And, uh, yeah, he, he, he is a goal and assist threat and is obviously a bit cheaper. He's only 8 million, um, compared to, you know, various other midfield options to go for, like someone like at the moment, say like going into this game like Havertz or Mount would or or Diaz like I probably feel more confident about Diaz getting returns really so um yeah it's it's um I think at, the, at the, a point where people may not have three Liverpool players in their team and they have a double this game week it might be an opportunity there for a, a decent differential uh, triple up yeah yeah super interesting I mean he's looked very very good on the eye since since he's joined Liverpool, um, I kind of thought he might just be reserved for the Champions League. He's looked pretty good in the Premier League as well and and, and has got returns. Um, I think I'm maybe less convinced about the minutes that he'll play compared to you. But but yeah, I think yeah, if you could guarantee him him starting both, I think he's he, he would be an excellent pick. And ultimately, with his price, uh, you know, presents value and a really good differential at this stage of the season too. So, so yeah, I think... Um, I, I I just think in the back of my head, if he is in Klopp's first hit, first eleven, then he might keep him for the champ uh, for for the, for the FA Cup final, and therefore I'm not sure if he'll play loads against Villa. And so yeah, it's worth thinking about. But equally, you know, Salah may not, Salah may not either, Mane may not either. So and and you know, three of them have to play right. And not, Firmino doesn't seem particularly popular at the minute. It still seems like a kind of a, a rotation of four really with Firmino kind of getting the odd minutes here and there so yeah so yeah I think he, he definitely has the potential for, for for minutes but yeah it's that Villa game that that, that, that concerns me uh, a little bit uh, let's leave it there then Andy and then when we return we will be trying to catch each other in our honey traps welcome to the FPL lounge Our previous show will always be out in advance of the game week deadline, so be sure to subscribe wherever you get your pods. That way, you'll definitely have it in time to make some tweaks to your team. If you can rate or review us too, that would be great, as we're really keen to know what people think. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. Welcome back then. So, Honey Traps, uh, we are each going to put out a proposition that we think is potentially likely to happen and see if the other person agrees or disagrees. Uh, Andy, you've told me you've got three. Now, that's just greedy. Well, yeah, I mean, I've got a lot of honey to try and trap you with. What can I say? All right, well, that just leaves me to say, show me the honey, baby. <laughs> oh, no, I walked straight into that one, didn't I? Oh, dear. Well, okay. So look, the one if I had to pick one, I'll, I'll start with that one, and maybe we'll, we'll we'll we might have time to discuss some of the others because we have banged on a lot in this show as 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 ever. So the 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 one I would go for if I had to pick one is this: 
I think that the, or I'm going to put out there that the top scoring player, FPL player in this game week will be either a Man City or Liverpool player. Interesting. And it's interesting because mine is of a similar ilk. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. So, um, which makes things hard for me, to be honest. I'll tell you what mine is. And yeah, we're going to have to come to some sort of conclusion here. So okay. mine was the top scoring player in this game week. So I was going to go with the king of the game week will be a defender. We're very much an eye on your Trents, your Robos, your Van Dykes, your Matips, your Cancellos, your Laportes of the world. Yeah, I mean, a defender is interesting because it gives you a lot more options than me saying City or Liverpool. Definitely. But obviously, um, you know, forwards and midfielders generally get more points. So, I mean, just looking back on it, I'm trying to find the last. So, game week 29, there was a defender. In fact, there was a run. 27, 28 and 29 was all defenders. I'm just scrolling back now. Got a goalkeeper in 23. So, But that obviously wouldn't count, I'm assuming. No. Um, and then Cancelo in 18, so that's four defenders, five. Konza got it in 15, so that's five defenders, six defenders, seven defenders, Mings and Cancelo. James in game week 10, so that's eight. It's quite a few, uh, actually. <laughs> yeah, nine, ten, Courtney Horse uh, and Matty Cash again. Marcel, that's 11. Uh, Reese James, 12. So 12... Out of 35 game weeks so far this season, more than one in three has been has been defenders. Yeah, mm, that's uh, ultimately there's four position groups, right? So yeah. one in three. It's, yeah, I guess it's very unlikely to be a goalkeeper with some one keeper the whole season. So yeah, it's. I think there was two. I think there was Schmeichel one week oh, as really? well. Okay. But yeah. Um, yeah, Schmeichel okay. and Pope. Okay, so. Yeah, that's quite a lot, really. And like you say, with um, those two City fixtures, that gives them, just them alone, a great chance. I think what we haven't really mentioned Chelsea much this game week, then because of their kind of poor performances recently, they've slipped off our radar a little bit. But ultimately, yeah. they've got Wolves and Leeds. So decent chance for a defense, particularly if there's any attacking returns, obviously like an Alonso and James there. Um, I think I'd be minded not to take you up on it. Because really? with the with the forward and midfield players, I think there's a chance there's chances of like rotation that would pre- perhaps prevent them from ending up being the king of a game week. If any one of those Chelsea or City players defenders gets two clean sheets, they're on a a good chance of heading towards the king of the game week. And then it, you know Alonso's had attacking returns recently. You know if, if if there's any of them that sneak any type of attacking return as well, you're looking at bonus points galore, and it all ramps up. And I think. So I think I'd be minded looking back at that uh, one in three as well. You know, one in three, more than one in three have been have been defenders so far this season. The king of the game week. I'm, I think I'd be minded not to take it up. But that, I guess that will mean that obviously, you know, two, two in three aren't. And I guess not many have been forwards, uh, you know, off the top of my head, I guess we'll have had Jesus when he scored four against Watford. Um Maybe an Antonio very early in the season. I see Richardson was king of the game quite recently. But I guess mostly it's, it has been midfielders. And, you know, we've got Son and Salah and KDB and Mane all on double game weeks. So I'm a bit surprised I'm not tempting you in here, especially considering, as you say, you know, uh, 
sometimes we go with something that's around a 50-50 option and I guess we kind of maybe evidence suggests that it's not a 50-50 proposition although I guess the double does play into things now I guess if we were to look at this and the weeks that defenders have been king of the game week are they more likely to be singles or doubles I wonder if actually they are more likely to be singles just because if, if... they get a clean sheet and one return one attacking return you're kind of banking on you need two clean sheets really I guess in, in this game week for, for it to be a defender if, it, if it wasn't a double game week I'd be more likely to to take you up I think because it, it the rotation thing wouldn't matter so much all it would take it for, for the first thing the defender would be limited at one clean sheet not yeah. two right and the second thing all it takes is any one forward of the forward players that does play to return once or twice right whereas yeah. here to like outscore a defender that gets two clean sheets and possibly an attacking return as well with when you add in the rotation potential element for someone like like is Salah going to get two or three returns heavily dependent on minutes really yeah. which we can't predict as much and you could say the same for a lot of obviously city city ones as well so um that yeah the fact it is a double game week does um and i know we've had a lot of midfielders as you say there but you know they're not all double game weeks so um that 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 impacts it a bit how about my, how about my one then what do you think about the one i put well you know what i'm going back now and counting uh how many city or liverpool players have been king in the game week and i think we're getting to eight nine 10 so yeah 11 there so yeah about one in three as well um which for two players is 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 yeah pretty oh sorry two teams is 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 is, you know sort of punching well above their weight i guess and the fact that you can probably discount the eight teams that aren't doubling straight away so that means i'm really only picking sort of it's City or Liverpool versus the other 10. Like the field is 10, not 18, I guess would be the argument against. Some of them have some pretty ropey fixtures. So you're going to dismiss three or four there. So yeah, I, I feel kind of like it is City or Liverpool versus Arsenal, Chelsea and Tottenham. And I guess you've made a, just made a really good point countering mine about Chelsea, particularly some of their defensive options if they were to keep two clean sheets um you know son and kane have hat tricks in them against any team frankly um maybe not liverpool but you know you could definitely see see, see them going off against arsenal in, in, in a game that, that usually does breed goals so yeah i'm i'm minded to take you up on it um but it is an interesting one and i think i'm going to well, take you up on it just just because generally speaking taking the field is is the sensible play but but yeah i think um i mean what made me what made made me think it might be tempting in in the sense of obviously man city and Liverpool, i imagine are probably two of the teams with the most kings of the of the game week um over the season but again that rotation point right for so any game week you've looked back at where you've seen a man city or liverpool player be the king of the game week almost by definition they've started right so yeah. that that game week, whereas we don't have that certainty about any one individual kind of player um, in terms of starting both uh, games in this in in this game week. So that only adds to the other ten in the field, I think, who have perhaps a bit more certain. Like Kane and Kane and Son are starting both games, right? Yeah. Like uh, Mount starting both games. I think it's very likely that James and Alonso start both games. I mean. The, the, I think it's very likely that Cancelo affects things. Laporte start both games and Van Dijk starts both games and 
So yeah, I guess I I, I, take, I take your point. Um, but yeah, it almost comes back. Yeah, um, part of mine was down to the potential of City and Liverpool defenders. And well, I'm thinking beyond defenders though, right? So I'm sure. looking at like I think you know Kane and Son to take them too. Are uh, you know much more like to start? We'll definitely start two versus like Salah, Mane, Foden, KDB, whoever, right? So. Sure. Yeah. yeah no. I, I. 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 get you. But yeah. No. I think. I think I will take you just for. Yeah. Because taking the field seems a sensible play. But yeah. I. I think it's. A, it's an interesting one. Definitely. Definitely makes you think. I mean, link. Link to that. One of my others then was going to be, and, and we didn't mention this team at all in that little bit we just had there. But uh, one of the others I was considering putting out was that Arsenal will score four or more goals this game week. And I think. I think. Um, they lead. I don't think I'll have taken you up on that. What they'll score less? You don't think they'll score less than four? Yeah, no, I think I think I think they will score four or more. Yeah. Yeah. All oh, right. Interesting. Yeah. Well, then in that case, I mean, that is another team who you could get a king of the game week from Arsenal. You could. Right? You could. I guess that I, in my head, they're more likely to share their points around a bit more. I don't, yeah, I don't know, but um, I mean, you see, you can see them beating Leeds four 0 well, this is so. This is yeah. This is why I was kind of where when I was trying to work out what number, I almost went five, but I thought flipping it five. Like they'd yeah. have to score at least three against Leeds and then at least like two against Spurs, right? Yeah, so I think, I think your line is is bang on, but yeah, it's um, it's it's, it's where it comes down to that football being a, a low scoring sport, right? It's hard to know where that know where that that line is, but yeah, yeah. No, interesting. What was the what was the third one? Uh, the third one was gonna be. Um, there will be no more than one clean sheet on Sunday, the 8th of May. All right, let's have a look at the fixtures. There'll be no so that more. is Arsenal versus Leeds, Leicester versus Everton, Norwich versus West Ham and Man City versus Newcastle. No more than one. Yeah, I would have taken you on that, I think. I can see more than one clean sheet there. West Ham keeping one. Arsenal keeping one, you, uh, City keeping one potentially. So yeah, I think I would have taken you on that. Yeah, I thought that one was yeah, it was potentially a bit more, a bit more tricky. Bold, to... bold but... that. Okay. Well, interesting, interesting. Oh well, I mean, it gives us something to definitely talk about uh, on on the review. Uh, anyway, uh, I guess with with that, Andy, uh, comes a discussion, I guess, about captains and. You know, ultimately maximising your captain is, is is super important in FPL and it feels like we've got, almost going to have the same conversation that we have last week. Liverpool assets in a double, City assets in a double, Chelsea assets in a double, Saka, I guess, in a double, uh, Tottenham assets in a double as well. Um, of these teams, who who has the best fixtures here? I mean, I'd be minded to say uh, it's, it's Chelsea uh, against Wolves and then and then at Leeds, but City feels pretty, pretty good as well versus Newcastle and at Wolves. Um, but the, the, in general, because of all the things you've said about, you know, attacking rotation, a defender with the armband this game week, two potential clean sheets, particularly again for Chelsea and City, maybe could be a really interesting, interesting play. I can see a lot of captain armbands on Alonso or James this week. Definitely, I think I agree with you that. I mean, if you ignore form, because obviously Chelsea's form hasn't necessarily been great recently, um, I, I would agree that on fixed on paper, probably Chelsea look like they have the best fixtures, Wolves and Wolves and Leeds. So, um, 
uh, yeah, two decent chances of clean sheets and then obviously fantastic attacking threat from both James and Alonso. Um, I, I mean, I could, I could, I could absolutely see. It. I don't feel confident in Chelsea like attacking assets particularly. Yeah, um, yeah. They, 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 they seem to. Ironically, at that points we've been unsure about the rotation in the front three. They seem to have a fairly settled first choice front three now, and it's Mount Havertz and Werner. Mm. But we haven't really been getting returns from from them so much in in recent weeks. So, um, yeah, I reckon. Um, I reckon. I yeah, I, I agree, and and and. Um, possibly they'll they'll be well I say possibly less rotation for Chelsea again they do have a I need to keep reminding myself they do have that Leeds game ultimately is a few days before the cup final and that is also Chelsea's only chance of winning a trophy this season they've already lost one cup final to Liverpool this season um so yeah um I think yeah what you say is right yeah defenders I mean obviously a double game week a salary is going to be incredibly popular do you think that the potential for rotation is enough to put people off putting the armband on him I think it might for some but I also think Liverpool have to go for are going for a league title that they desperately desperately want right so I think Salah will play as many minutes as Klopp can can make him basically um I mean Salah will want to play them all but he'll also Klopp will also have a slight eye on the cup final, um, and Salah's going to want to start that game as well. So I would imagine like this is a 90-60 job for, particularly what also helps Liverpool here is that the on paper harder fixture is the first one, right? They have Spurs, so you could get the full ninety out of Salah there, maybe play him for sixty ideally against Villa and get yourself a bit of a lead and then give him a rest. Um, because also it's Tuesday, which helps a little bit because it gives you an extra day before the cup final. Um, so in that sense, if 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 Salah's getting like 140, 150 out of the possible 180 minutes, then I'm still pretty happy with his chances of of getting returns versus versus others. Yeah, I think that I think that makes that makes sense. I mean, I guess if if, if they're all are kind of one A options. Saka, Son, Kane, Kulisevsky feel like 1B, especially the, those Tottenham um, assets you know, against Liverpool and Arsenal in the same game week. That not particularly kind double. And I think had, you know, was this um, was this against Chelsea rather than Arsenal? And were it not a North London derby where there does seem to be goals and anything can happen? I feel like we probably might not even be talking about Tottenham assets at all. Saka's an interesting one against against Leeds in particular. Um, you know, Arsenal have no reason really to to rotate. He seems to be on penalties now and is scoring goals like he's never scored them in his career. Feels like a you know, really interesting, I guess maybe differential captaincy option this week. Yeah, it really does. And and there's nothing that makes me think Saka couldn't get a return against Tottenham as well, frankly. So um yeah, I, I really do like that. He's gonna play the full 90 in both games if he's fit ultimately as well, isn't he? So um, yeah, Lee's concede plenty. That's a great one to start off with in a double. And then I can, I don't know why there's no logic to this necessarily, but I can absolutely see like a full blooded 2 2 or 3 3 in that in that North London derby. I mean, I've just put the mockers on it, so it's going to be like a boring 0 0 KG. Everyone's really scared of putting a foot wrong. Yeah. But, um, yeah, just to go quickly back to the what you described 1A options as well, though, I think we didn't say enough about City defenders. I mean, we mentioned them on the radar, but like if. I mean, it seems likely that Cancelo should start both games. And yeah, I think, again, they have two decent clean sheet chances, right? New, Newcastle Wolves um, there. Uh, we did say in, on the radar, you've got to look out for what Pep says, what the reports say physically and mentally. There could be reasons why they're not at their sharpest or some of them don't play and get rotated. But if 
Cancelo starts both games, you know, that, and if we if you suspect he will, I, th- I think, you know, as as a as a he's going to have we, we say this a lot, but one of the highest floors for captains this this game week, two very strong chances of clean sheet, and obviously of course the the attacking threat that he brings as well. Yeah. Um, again, we don't really reveal our team or our, I guess, captaincy picks on the pod. We just tend to assess the options. But I'm feeling increasingly confident that Can- Cancelo is going to get my, my armband this week. And I am playing my triple captain. So, yeah, increasing, oh. increasingly confident that this feels the way to go. Don't have my bench boost because it was cruelly robbed from me by some dick. Uh, but... Yeah, that's left me with, with with my triple captain. I was I was and I was having my sulk. I think when Salah had his 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 excellent triple captain potential game week against Norwich and Leeds. So, yeah, it um it feels like it's. It, I mean, that's that's week, quite bold. Like, I mean, feel like it's it's Cancelo. There's there's no almost greater accolade in any single game week of you feeling confident about a captain than putting your triple captain on them, right? And so for all this conversation we're having, I think it's quite striking that you're saying we almost missed him i had to go back to him and oh was, I, see well, i wasn't gonna miss him because i was gonna bring this up so that's yeah that's, oh, i see that's why that's why I it's all part, all part of the bigger picture well you i see I, I i well for thankfully i can't understand the inner workings of chris hopkins no. brain yeah. but um <laughs> you job. just because we'd moved on from what you described as the as the 1a option and i feel like he probably is in that but no i, I mean i want to emphasize the point i think it's striking that you are you're saying you might you might triple captain him because i think that there are are higher ceilings for if De Bruyne plays twice for him for for Salah probably frankly um but you do that get that that almost comfort more so don't you from from a from a Cancelo so in, interesting yeah I mean obviously that has to be massively caveated with you know my pick has to be caveated with uh yeah tr- I guess the triple captain is because I'm not going to play it in 37 or 38 so that it's now or never it's not like I'm sort of tactically it's not like I feel triply confident in Cancelo. I have to play my triple captain chip, chip this week. So th- that's one caveat. I don't think I can get to De Bruyne. So that's a second caveat. And maybe if I could, he'd be higher up in my thinking. Um, Salah is an interesting one. And was were I not ranked about 9 million in the world because of the hack, maybe I'd be thinking a little bit differently. But I can shoot for the moon it doesn't really matter right now um if i was preserving rank yeah maybe maybe i'd be a little bit more scared frankly but i just do feel like it doesn't for me it doesn't even matter that much that city are or are not necessarily good defensively um they're going to dominate the ball against newcastle and wolves newcastle and wolves are blunt as they get apart from you know, Norwich and Watford, it, it just, obviously things can go can go wrong. I think it was against Newcastle that City should have conceded the, one of the most stonewall penalties of the season um, uh, earlier in the year. But but yeah, I just can't see either of them giving a bruised City that needs to come out fighting too much of a problem. So yeah, I feel like, yeah, yeah. If Cancelo gets twelve points and he's got my tri- he's got my he's got my triple captain, and I feel feel fairly confident in that. And then yeah, anything else is a bonus. Yeah, well that that all makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Cheers. <laughs> Wonderful. All right. Well, in that case, uh, Andy, let's uh, let's leave it there and let's uh, finish as we always do uh, with who the heck is stat the penultimate who the heck is stat 
of the season. Uh, I'm sure you know by now, but who the heck is that? It's a little game that Andy and I like to play where we take it in turns each game week to pick a player from the FPL universe and the other person has to guess who it is. It must be owned by at least 5% of FPL managers and we have five clues. Uh, if we get it after the first clue, we get we get five points after the second clue, four points and so on and so forth. Every time we hear a clue, we have two minutes to decide whether to stick or twist with, on our previous guess, which means we don't reveal the answer until the end. So you can play along Wherever you're listening to the FPL Land podcast, uh, Andy has a nine-point lead, 35-26. Obviously, the, the the competition is over, playing purely for pride. And, yeah, I'm a bit concerned that this could end up a uh, double-digit uh, thrashing. So, yeah, really need to pull something out of the bag uh, this afternoon. But, yeah, let's give it a go. Let's see, see what we can do. Well, yeah, this is this is Chris's... Um... <clears throat> final, final attempt at who the heck is stat for the 2021-22 season. So, um, yeah, the, the the final time you have to feel the the dread, Chris. Okay, um, <laughs> the dread. Just yeah, just I mean, don't... I, I can't say I, I ever look forward to it, but I don't. Yeah, I don't have a dread. It's just another opportunity for you to embarrass yourself. But look, in in right. almost a perfect narrative arc. As we started the show, we shall finish. It is not about the man who casts stones from the sides or whatever it said. It's yeah. about the man who muddies his face and gets in the arena. Quite. You're getting in the arena, so props Quite. to you. I mean, we've never given anyone else the opportunity to be in the arena, to be, <laughs> to be fair. but um, Any, yeah. Anyone can start a podcast, can't they, Chris? Any schmuck. Look at us, eh? Yeah, quite, quite. Right. Okay, uh, clue number one. It is this player's seventh season in FPL, and they are on for their best ever finish. Ah, seven seasons is a lot of seasons. Uh, fact, but best ever finish. Who could that be? Who's having a good season? Um, oh, do you know who I've instantly gone towards because of Southampton is Van Dyke. I wonder. I'm going to struggle to get him out of my head now. Uh, let's have a little look at the at the fixtures, um, all, all the teams. I guess uh, Arsenal seven seven seasons, best ever finish. Unlikely to be anyone in there. Villa can't think of anyone who'd be having their best season. Matty Cash probably is, but not not seven seasons. Brentford would be a no. Brighton probably unlikely. Burnley. We not. Uh, Chelsea uh, has seven seasons, but maybe done more. Might not be his best ever either. Uh, <clears throat> Palace could potentially be a Palace player. Zaha, maybe not his best ever though. Everton, unlikely to be anyone's best ever there. Leeds, no. Leicester. Yes, a Madison. He probably hasn't had seven years. I think I need some more clues, really. Um, I've probably still got thirty seconds. Thirty seconds. Okay. Uh, unlikely that there's anyone at United for their best ever season. Joe, you know let's uh, yeah, let's go, let's go, let's go, uh, let's go, Virgil Van Dyke. Okay. Virgil van Dijk. Clue number two. This season was this player's highest ever starting price. Mm. Who the heck is that? Who the heck is that? Um, I guess it could have been. What did he start at? Six and a half? Would be my guess. 
did he start at that last year? Probably. Probably. Which would lead me to someone like Robbo, seven years, best ever, highest ever starting price. I don't think it was his highest ever starting price, though. Mm. Trent wouldn't have done seven seasons, surely. Doesn't feel likely. Uh, highest ever starting price. Trying to think of anyone that we spoke about at the start of the season who had a price increase and whether they were worth it or not. But I'm a bit stumped, if I'm honest. Um, yeah, do you know what? I might I, I might stick with Van Dyke there. I don't think I'm going to be able to dig out much in the way of, of knowledge. Um, oh, it could be a keeper, maybe. Has Allison done seven years? Edison might have done. He could be his height. No, surely not. Surely he hasn't done seven seasons. 30 seconds. Nick Pope? I feel like he was five and a half last year and five and a half this year too. Hmm. Yeah, I'm going stick to with, stick with Van Dyke. I'm not, not convinced, but yeah, I don't know is, is, is basically the, the, the takeaway, and so I, I better stick. Okay, well, your time's almost up, so you had better stick with Virgil van Dijk. Clue number three. This player is the highest-owned player for his team. All right, well, it's not Virgil van Dijk, then. Um, we can skip off off that now, can't we? Uh, okay, who would be the highest-owned uh, Arsenal Saka probably, I think. Villa could Watkins, Coutinho, maybe Coutinho. He's not gonna have had his highest ever finish considering he only joined in January. Brentford we can probably dismiss. Brighton we can probably dismiss. Burnley we can probably dismiss. Chelsea then, who'd be their highest owned? I think we looked at this the other day and it was Mount. We were confused by why his ownership was so high, uh, and he hasn't had seven seasons. Palace is highest owned, probably, probably still Gallagher, maybe the keeper. Um, yeah, City would be City's highest owned player, Cancelo. He couldn't have done seven years. Struggling here. United is going to be Ronaldo. I feel like we had him in who the heck is stat because you got a tweet about it. So one of your seconds. clues was wrong. Newcastle, probably not. Norwich, no. Southampton, I'm not going to know. Tottenham, who's their highest owned? Son? Kane? Son had seven seasons, best finish. Oh, I'm going to have to jump to him, but I really don't know. Yeah, I'm going to have to jump to him just because I'm out of time. seconds yes. left. Yeah, so I jumped to Son, but not convinced. Switching to Son, okay. Yeah, definitely not Van Dijk, so Son. 
clue number four then. This player has been above 150 points in every season other than one and broke 200 for the first time last year. Broke 200 for the first time last year, but he's on for his highest ever finish. Feels like, I mean, I guess it fits. So he's done over 150 every season bar one and broke 200 for the first time last year. Correct. Those feel like they apply to Son, but then he's on for his highest ever finish. And if he broke two, is he on? Is he over 200 already this season? That doesn't feel right. But I would trust you to do the maths and get the maths right, because famously you were a maths teacher. So, um, so yeah, if he broke two hundred last year, what on course for two? I guess you could be could be below two hundred if he just got over two hundred last year and is on like one ninety now. I suppose he could be. I'm going to have to stick because I really don't think I can think of it being anyone else. Uh, who would be Wolves' highest owned player? The keeper, not seven seasons. West Ham's, probably Bowen, not seven seasons. Southampton, don't know. Or Prowse, maybe. Feels like he's had more than seven seasons. He definitely hasn't broken 200 points. 30 seconds. Yeah, Son, mate. Stick, please. Sticking with Son. Okay, and the final clue then for this season for Chris Hopkins on who the heck is stat is the following. This player is in the top five for points, ownership, and price amongst midfielders. Points, ownership, and price. So, who are the most expensive midfielders then? Um... Salah, KDB, Mane, Bruno. Son. Is he is he more expensive than Sterling? I guess he maybe might not have been at the start, but with rises, possibly. Then what were the other others? Points. Points, ownership and price in the top five. Price. I guess he could definitely be in the top five for points. You'd think he would be because other than Salah and Mane, who would have had more points than Son. Like you think Bowen's had a good year, but that good, probably not. Gallagher, probably not. So, okay. And ownership. I guess he's going to be quite popular, isn't he? And I swear last week we found Mount being like in the top five owned midfielders, and he must be higher owned than Mount. So, yeah. I've got no reason to, to to come off him. I'm still not convinced about that on course for a best ever finish clue. But yeah, I feel like I'll have to stick with Son. So it's high risk, high reward here for Chris Hopkins in his last ever who the heck is stat for 21-22. He will either get three points or none from her sticking on the person he chose on his third guess. And the correct answer for this week's who the heck is stat is. Come on, mate, you're not you're not Davina, like it's Young Vin Son. I'm gonna edit and that. It's out three anyway. 
<laughs> it's three points for Chris Hopkins. I've got to leave it I in mean, now because I've just said I'm going to edit it out. So. I mean, it worked. You got tense. I could see you wriggling. So it did its job. But yes, um, it was it was Son. That's three points. Some level of respectability gained uh, in back. <laughs> Some for level you. of respectability. Um, yeah, he, so he is actually only currently five points short of his total for last season. He got 228 points last season, 17 goals, 11 assists. Uh, and this year he is on 223 points uh, already, 223 points and 19 goals and nine assists. Wow, um, okay. Only Mo Salah has more attacking returns than, than Son. And in fact, Son has more attacking, non-penalty attacking returns than anyone in the league. So, yeah, a, a great season for him. And, and um, you know, only five points short he of his total from last year. So very, very likely will 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 beat that and i thought it was incredible just the consistency as well actually to have been over 150 i mean he's been over 170 most seasons like uh, well 169 he's been over 169 in every season other but other than two as well mm. um so yeah amazing consistency he's having like a um a great season i think because his goals have come in fits and spurts a little bit maybe yeah. the just sheer number of goals has kind of gone under the radar there a little bit but um, he's the second top scorer in the league he is. He is. Yeah, that's insane. Crazy, isn't it? Really, but yes, he is. He is the second top goal scorer in the league. Six more um, goals than Kane this season. That's uh, yeah, quite impressive, really. Yeah. Um. So so three points. Great. Well, that's a nice way to end my season, I guess. Um. But yeah, I guess I now need to restrict you to two points or fewer next week, somehow to to yeah not get a or, or no I guess three points or fewer to not get a double digit hammering so yeah i guess you'd have to go some to get four or five out of the bag but yeah it's been it's been done before and uh you can never write andy case off so yeah we'll have to see have to see what happens yeah uh, i think we did mention it earlier in the year as well we won't be doing it next week ahead of uh game week the, the 37 preview we're going to save it for our final game week 38 preview uh the, the conclusion of the who the heck is season and the crowning of uh of Andy. i'm gonna have to give you a guard of honor before the start of that podcast i think so uh yeah plenty <laughs> plenty plenty of fun still to be had um andy obviously this is a key game week for for all of our all of our listeners and all fpl managers unless yeah unless you got your account hacked like me like i did um how can our listeners get in touch if they have any questions about how to approach this double they can find us on twitter or instagram at fpl underscore lounge and uh yeah do let us know we've we've the last few shows, well, in fact, all season, really, we've let it get away from us a little bit, haven't we? We're, we're going over an hour. When we first started these previews, we wanted them to be like 45, 50 minutes as the absolute max. And we're, we're unruly now. So, um, yeah, we really are. We really yeah, are. Let, us, let us know what you think about that. Um, yeah, absolutely. And do remember to rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. I hope that you have uh, enjoyed listening to us uh, this season and will continue to do so for the last three game weeks. Um, obviously, because this is a double, uh, Andy and I haven't exactly discussed when we will be recording the uh, the next episode, but it's going to be a, a hybrid, uh, one, would, one would imagine. And yeah, I'm sure we'll try and get in as many of the games in the double as possible before we do start recording again so uh yeah but you won't be hearing from us again until at least the back end of next week uh but andy until then thanks for joining us in the fpl lounge <laughs>